I'm going to this weekend conclude the series we've been in all month long entitled Growing Together. Growing Together. And I, I believe this is going to be the capstone moment in which the Holy Spirit is going to prompt many of our hearts to take a, to take a step. I, I, I just am trusting God's been speaking to many of us and our need to connect. Now as I, as I go into this, let me just say up front, God has made us to belong to Him. God created us. God made us to belong to Him. There is inside every one of us this, this need, this craving, this, this sense of purpose that's only found in being in Christ, knowing the Lord. God made that. God put that inside. There's, you have spirit inside of you. And God is the spirit. And the spirit inside of us longs to be in fellowship and connection with God. Let me take you back a few years. This is a little old school. How do you remember Hush Puppy Shoes? Anybody remember Hush Puppy Shoes? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can remember one time. You know, I'd saw, I saw the commercial on TV, and it would show people getting their new hush puppy shoes, and they would step out, and the sidewalks were like foam, just like pillows, just walking on it. Oh, that sounded good. So I went and bought a pair of new hush puppy shoes. They were gray, lace-up, suede, leather. I mean, I was, I was, I was in vogue because I had new gray Hush puppy shoes. And, and they bragged the shoes were the most comfortable shoes you could ever wear. Can I tell you? I began to wear my new hush puppy shoes. And by noontime, my puppies were biting me. <laughs> oh, they were uncomfortable. By the end of the day, my feet hurt so bad. And I said, well, you know, you got to break them in. Maybe I tried two or three days. And I tell you, I just couldn't do it the, those puppies were not they were barking at me by the end of the day so I was telling a friend about these hush puppy shoes I like hush puppy shoes what size do you wear I said do you want them and I, I gave them to him I just and I couldn't wear them well and a week or so went by he came back he said you know something about those shoes well, what is it you know they're not the same size <laughs> yeah I had bought from the store a brand new pair of shoes. To this day, I always check sizes on both shoes. But they, I thought it was the shoes. But I had one shoe that was a size smaller than the other shoe. And it never fit. And I thought it was the maker. I thought it was the shoe. And it was the size. Do you know what? There are people in this room. You are made for God. But you, you've never felt comfortable with spiritual things. You say that, you know, going to church and worship and reading the Bible. And, you know, you kind of go reluctantly or out of guilt. Or you do this be nice to God moment ever so often. You just kind of kind of in the background of spiritual things. Because it's never felt comfortable to you. But I want you to know, you were made for God. And just for a moment, let me speak to the men. Men, Satan wants to keep you leery of God in church. 
There's just something that he exploits. That you're not raised that way, and you're not used to that, and it's uncomfortable. It's a little more emotional, and you shouldn't, and you know, and all this conversation, and all these emotions and reluctance, which are real, they keep us in the keep us kind of in the background, and keep God in church at an arm's length. God made you for Him, but I want to also add, God made us to belong to church, the body of Christ. God called us to be a part of the church, the body of Christ. Now, I know occasionally I hear people say, you know, I'm spiritual. I'm just not churchy. Well, what does that mean? I'm spiritual, but I'm not churchy. That's like saying, you know, I'm into love. I'm just not into marriage. I don't know about that kind of stuff, you know? You, you, you want it on your terms? God has made us to belong to the body of Christ. A core value here at Westover is that we're better together because we grow together. We're better together because we grow together. For just a moment, let me go to the New Testament. Don't turn to this. Let me just give you a solid biblical foundation of the one anothering, what it means to belong, what it means to be a part of one another. Here's what the New Testament says. Let me just share this with you. The book of Romans, we're to belong to one another. We're to be devoted to one another. We're to honor one another. We're to live in harmony with one another. We're to live at peace with one another. We're to accept one another. Corinthians, we're to agree with one another. We're to look out for one another. We're to have equal concern for one another. We're to greet one another with a holy kiss. You can just shake my hand, by the way. Uh, Galatians, we're to serve one another. We're to carry one another's burdens. Ephesians, we're to bear one another's burdens. We're to speak truthfully to one another. We're to be kind to one another, compassionate to one another, to speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, submit to one another. The book of Philippians, we're to have the same interest of one another's. Colossians, we're to bear with one another. We're to forgive one another, teach one another, admonish one another. Uh, Thessalonians, to love one another, encourage one another, build one another up, live at peace with one another, be kind to one another. Hebrews, spur one another, meet with one another, encourage one another belong to one another, love one another, confess our faults to one another, pray for one another. The book of First and Second Peter, to love one another, live in harmony, to offer hospitality to one another, greet one another. Uh, the book of First John, to have fellowship with other, to love one another, to, uh, to uh, have our lives mingling with one another. We go on and on all through the Bible. The Bible calls us to be one anothering, one anothering. What am I saying? We were made for God, but we were made to belong to the body of Christ. We were made to belong to the body of Christ. That's what God has purpose for us. And with that in mind, I want you to go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And some of my Bible students are already with me. You say, oh, that's that section of the New Testament when the Bible teaches us about the body of Christ. You're absolutely right. The New Testament will say that the church, and I'm going to use the phrase the body of Christ, that's a biblical phrase. Uh, terminology and definition and he likens it to the human body as the human body is connected as the human body is knit together as the human body (laughs) works in agreement with another that analogy comes in the spiritual body the body of Christ I'm going to go down to verse number 27 then I'm going to work my way up but it says verse number 27 but you are the body of Christ each one of you is a part of it Each one of you, don't say I'm not a part. Don't say my spirituality is between me and God and it doesn't have anything to do with the church. That's not scriptural. That's not biblical. You are the part of the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. That's what the Bible tells us. Now let's go to that same chapter of just a few verses. Verse 21. 
And 22, using the analogy of the the body and each part of the body represents one of us. It says the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body which seem to be weaker are indispensable. What is he saying? That we can't say, I don't need to belong to church. I don't, I don't need to be in a youth group. I don't need to be in young adult ministry. I don't need to be in a life group. I don't need. The Bible says you can't say that. We are the body of Christ. The analogy is God created, that's God's will. God has made us with the need and the purpose to belong to one another. So with that in mind, go with me to Ephesians. Just a moment, I'm laying a foundation here in Scripture. Ephesians chapter 4. Here it is, the New Testament says he gave apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Why did God give all the ministry gifts to the church? Verse number 12, to equip his people for works of service. Here's that phrase again. So that the body of Christ might be built up. How long? Till we reach the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Mature. That word is translated in some versions. Perfect. Become mature. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Until we become mature. Until we become perfect. The body of Christ. We're together We're to build each other up. You're to belong to the body until we become perfect. Here it is. Here's God's principle. There is a perfection that only comes through connection. There is a perfection in your life that will only come through connection. Some of us wonder why we have ebb and flow up and down. You love God, then you go through a season, it's dry and you're distant. And then something happens and spurs you to reconnect in your prayer life. You're reading the Bible, you're up at midnight and you're saying, God, I promise, I vow I'll never do. God, I'll never get involved. God, I'll make the right decisions. And then six months, a year later, you're distant, you're struggling. Why is it it's up and down? Is anything wrong with you? What it is, God set you in the body. And you'll never be perfect. You'll never be complete until you're connected to the body because we grow together. There is a perfection in our lives that comes through connection. You were never intended to do faith in life alone. Never intended just to come to church and worship occasionally and have a little online Bible study occasionally and go about your world and just kind of sprinkle like, like seasoning salt on top of a, a dish that occasionally you just, you add the God elements to just season life. That's not how it works. Verse number 16, it goes on this analogy of the body from whom the whole body is joined and held together. By every supporting ligament, it grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. There are things that we're asking God to give us in deliverance and miracle that will only come through connection. We're saying, oh God, help me. God, break this. God, take me into. God, make me become. God, create in me. God, let me become. And we're wanting by miracle and deliverance something God says happens Because the body grows and builds itself up. There is a perfection that comes through connection. It was Mother Teresa that said, and I like this. She said, I can do things you cannot. You can do things I cannot, but together we can do great things. I like that. I like that. That God has intended as we're connected 
And I'm challenging this church and this church body, and I believe God's been speaking to many of us for not only weeks but for months. He's been stirring in your heart. It's time to get connected, not just to attend, not just to go, but to, to belong to get connected to church, be involved in a life group, be involved in a ministry group, be, be in a position where you're growing and you're creating a church family and community together. I believe the Lord is speaking to many of us. And as I bring this series for the month to close, there's four what I'm going to call connection requirements. Connection requirements. In order for you to have connection for requirements that I believe that God has prepared us for, many of us in this room. Connection requirements. The first one is awareness. The requirement of, of awareness. Many of us, many of us, God's been stirring. God's been having a conversation with our heart. God's been tapping you on the shoulder. God's been speaking to you. God's been doing something in your life. And I want to share with you at Westover whether online or right here in the room. I want to share with you, well, I am, Westover is unapologetically a high-commitment church. Unapologetically, we are a high-commitment church. What does that mean? That means every time you come, I believe that God has another decision for you to make. Every message ought to spur you to go further in God. That there is no just retirement. There's no lazy boys in the kingdom of God. We sit back and we coast on. This is not a spiritual amusement park or a spiritual vacation. God wants to challenge us. The Holy Spirit wants to speak to us. The Holy Spirit is always calling us as we head in worship. Go deeper in worship. Go deeper in the Word. Build another building. Build a ball field. Do something to reach people. Do something for God. Become something. Have a making great life. Don't sit on the sidelines of life and let God's best pass you by. God has something incredible for you, your children, your grandchildren. We are going to call you. We're going to summon you. We're going to lead you. We're going to spur you on that you become all that God wants you to become. This church becomes all that God wants it to become. That you have a deeper experience with God unapologetically. We're a high commitment church. And I believe God's stirring the awareness of some. God's talking to you. Awareness begins to sharpen your wants. When you become aware of something, your appetite, your desire for it sharpens. Oh, you know what I begin to want because it's been stirring in us. There's something I want to acquaint you with. Every one of us have. God created it in us. It's a part of who we are, our physical, our, our, our psychological, our spiritual personhood, our DNA. And that is your reticular activating system. Everyone in here, you have what's called a reticular activating system. About the middle of the 20th century, they really begin to define that and begin to observe that. What is a reticular activating system? It's, it's in the brain stem at the base of your skull that goes into your spinal cord. It's about the, about the width of a pencil. And all of your sensory data, all your senses communicate to it except the sense of smell. But every other sense communicates with it. They tell us the sensory act, the, the reticular activating system is like the gatekeeper. It's the gatekeeper. It allows data. It, it allows stimuli. It, it, it allows nudges and notices. 
nudges and notices to come into the base of your brain, that part that's called the amygdala. That's where you experience faith. It's in the amygdala. It's where your soul is, in the amygdala on the brain. That's, that's your essence. That's where you experience God. Faith is experienced in that core being of the brain. And the reticular activating system is the gatekeeper to that. It allows data to come. Here's how it works. Here's how it works. It allows data to come in at one moment, notices and nudges that you didn't even think about before. That's how the Holy Spirit speaks to us. He works in your reticular activating system. Let me give you a very, a very natural example of that. Let's say, for example, you buy a new car, and it's, it's a brand new color that one of the automobiles make, makers come out. You buy the new car, and you're driving. You say, man, this is, I love the color. It's a brand new shade of whatever, and you're driving down the road. Have you ever noticed when you get a new car, that color, you start noticing other cars that color? Have you ever noticed that? Why? Because it's your reticular activating system. If you go from San Antonio, let's say to uh, Seattle or Wisconsin, you're visiting on a vacation, and you see somebody with a Spurs jersey, you just will see it in the crowd. You see it here all the time. But all of a sudden, you'll just pick it up and you'll notice it somewhere else. That's your reticular activating system. It's, it's, ladies, if you buy a brand new outfit and you go to work next week week, and another lady has the same (laughs) outfit on, You may not even have it on that day, but you'll notice that outfit. I have that same purse. I have that same jacket. I have that same jacket. And that's you notice things you didn't notice before. It's the gatekeeper. It's the reticular activating system. It brings notices and nudges. Let me give you another example. Denise and I, before we were married, Denise, she was, she was praying for the perfect man to come along. Oh, God, you have something great. You have something great. She was like Ruth in the Old Testament. She's praying, God, send me a Boaz. But she was dating Bozo. Yeah, she was dating Bozo, not Bo. She, she was looking for Boaz. But she was dating Bozo. And I mean, he wasn't very bright. I, I mean, he would look at a carton of orange juice and just stare at it because it said concentrate on it. He was not bright. <laughs> he, was, he was not too bright of a guy, okay? But in the, all of a sudden, she just knew it wasn't the... And then guess what? God's, God's perfect thing came along. <laughs> Can you say amen? amen? Did you hear that, Denise? It just... Yes! Yes, the retic- you just know it. We say we know it in our knower. That's your reticular activating system. God has put it within you. What am I talking about? Have you ever noticed? Have you ever realized that you'll come to church and it seems like the message will say the same words, the same language. All of a sudden you're in a conversation. Two years ago you weren't even thinking about it. But a reoccurring conversation just is in your spirit. And it's, it's calling you to something. It's, it's telling you you need to break away from a relationship 
or a habit and calling you to a spiritual discipline in your life, calling you away from and calling you to. And all of a sudden, the notices start coming and you start feeling these nudges over and over again. Two years ago, it was off your radar screen. That's the Holy Spirit. He's making you aware. He is prompting in your reticular activating system that God has put within you. The Holy Spirit speaks to that. And in order to have connection, you have to be aware. And I believe many of us, God's been having a conversation and just distant fringe church experience is no longer satisfying. It's no longer meeting the need. God is speaking. The book of Proverbs chapter 20 tells us about the reticular activating system. Oh, I told you they discovered it in the middle of the 20th century. No, they discovered it 3,000 years ago because here's what the book of Proverbs says, that the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. God brings illumination to the light through the spirit being. All of a sudden you say, ah, now I see it. Ah, I see it. The spirit illuminates. You say, ah, I get it. God prompts you with notices and nudges. So if you're going to get connected, you have to discern. You have to realize. You have to be keenly sensitive to the awareness of God. Number two, not only, not only awareness, another requirement is a decision. A decision. From your awareness to your decision. Do you know indecision indecision has the same effect on our life as the wrong decision. Yes. Yes. You can choose the wrong career, but if you don't choose the right career and you do nothing, it has the same effect as if you made the wrong decision. Yes. Indecision in our life has the same spiritual result as Wrong decisions. Indecision talks us out of what God's trying to lead us into. What God is prompting us to do and become, indecision is talking us out of. So after awareness comes a decision. You have to decide. Some of us, we've been deciding for a year and a half. Are we going to get connected? We've been deciding whether we're going to do it. Which brings me to the third not only, not only do we have to have awareness, a decision, but we have to be intentional, intentionality. You have to be intentional. If, if, our, if our career life, our educational life, our family life, our marriage life, our financial life, if in every area we followed the same practices we did in our spiritual life, our lives would be a wreck. Let me give you an example. This is what we do in our spiritual life. Let's just apply it to our natural life. How about tomorrow? You say, you know what? I'm going to go to work if I feel led. If, if, I, if I feel led and I feel like going to work today will bless me. If, if I feel like going to work today will just, it, it's, what, it's the thing for me to do. I'll go to work. If not, I won't go to work. When I go to a restaurant here in a little bit to get lunch, if, if the people smile... And the cook comes out and smiles. And the waitress and the waiter smiles. And they make me feel good. And they make me feel comfortable. And they, they make me feel like I'm special. I'll pay the bill. But 
if they're not friendly, I'll eat the meal. But if they're not just super friendly, I'm not going to pay. I'm just going to say it's, that's God's will that I don't, I don't connect at the cash register. I, I'm not to connect there because I didn't, they didn't make me feel, didn't make me feel good. I will turn in my homework on my, on my assignments at, as I'm working on my degree. If, if I sense, if I sense that this is the thing for me to do, and it may be the right thing, I just may not be the right season for me to do it now. It may not, it's just not the thing I want to do at this particular time. I'm going to pay my bills, but I'm only going to pay those that, that I feel like God wants me to pay. <laughs> that God has, has, has given me a confirmation. If I, if I, I go two, three months without a house payment because I just, did, I just didn't feel a good spirit about making house payments for the last. If we did that spiritually and the rest of our lives would be in mayhem. But in every area of our life, we're intentional. The rent's due on the first, we pay on the first. If we have to be at work at 8 a.m. on Monday, we're at work at 8 a.m. on Monday. If the traffic is backed up, we leave earlier to get there by 8 a.m. We're intentional in every area of our life, except when it comes to our spiritual life. We just want to go by a feeling and a whimsical idea. People that connect, people that really connect are intentional. And number four, sacrifice. Sacrifice. Yes, it'll take a sacrifice. There's something in order to connect, I'm going to set aside in my schedule. I'm going to set aside in my life because I value this more. I value being connected enough that I'm going to set aside and I won't let, I won't let stuff and busy choke out my spiritual priority. And I'm going to keep that as a central focus. There'll be sacrifice. I want to share with you in the video a story of a family in our church. They made the connection. And some connections you need to make before the, you need the connection. This is a family that when the whirlwind and the storm hit them, they had already made the connection. Let them tell you about it in this video. You hear that your child has, you know, cancer. No, we can't remove this. We can't. Uh, do chemo we can't there's nothing we can do we, we, we don't we don't have a cure for this tumor we uh, we started attending Westover Hills uh, in August of 2012 uh, my wife and I with our three children uh, Jaden Amaris and Cabrilla uh, in March of 2015 uh, my daughter had been my, been a little sick she was five years old uh, so we weren't sure what was going on. We took her to our, to our pediatrician, and she immediately sent us to the hospital. Uh, and we were told that our daughter, our five-year-old little girl, uh, had a brain tumor, which was inoperable. And uh, we were pretty much told from the beginning, the first 24 hours, that my daughter would die in 2015. Um, it was hard not to feel hopeless at the time. Our families um, are, are not here. They're, they live four hours south. Um, so we were, we found ourselves um, having to rely on our church family. It was just amazing. I, I know initially it's a little intimidating. You don't want to ask people for things. You know, we, we always are very um, self-sufficient or, or sometimes we feel like, um, you know, we, we got this. We, we can handle three kids. We can handle life. We can handle. Um, but when something like this happens, you realize that um, 
you don't have to do it by yourself and um, you need to call upon others and we are so thankful that we had people just step up as soon as Gabriella was diagnosed uh, we immediately had friends uh, that volunteered to um, to take care of Amaris and Jaden obviously Isabel and I we were extremely focused on Gabriella and the diagnosis that we were just given probably about four or five months into her diagnosis she became paralyzed because the tumor spread into her spine and so that required um, essentially total care um, Gabriella could no longer walk she couldn't she no longer had function from her waist down and so that was very difficult on our family but you know we're doing uh, the best we could um, and um, Gabriella and I had an evening evening appointment um, on a Thursday um, and so we got home pretty late um, I put her to bed and then Friday morning is, is when everything changed. Um, I, I had I woke up, you know, as I normally do to check on her, and, um, and when I did, um, I noticed that she was breathing funny. She wasn't responding very well. Fast forward into Saturday morning, and um, she's still struggling really hard. But we noticed that you know things are are slowing down. are slowing down for her, and and. Um, and we started telling her, you know, Gabriela, you, you fought the good fight, and, and you did amazing, you were strong, that it was okay to go home to be with Jesus, and, and that mommy and daddy, Jaden and Maris, would, would always love her, and would always think about her. There, there's still some days we feel, we feel very grief-stricken, and, and, and have a, a tremendous amount of loss and that's part of, it, of, of grieving but um, but without the church family I, I don't think we we would have survived well uh, you know it, it was hard that first time coming back to church without Gabriella but um, being able to see everybody greet us and just open up their their arms and we do know that uh, we have people that are praying for us we have people us. that are that love us that love our children and um, and that um, is is enough for us. That's that's all we need. Um, so when Gabriella was sick, she woke up one morning and she said that she had had a dream um, that we had money and that we were um, giving it away to people that needed money. And so we started a foundation, a memorial fund in Gabriella's honor, you know, to help specifically to help families with financial grants, um, families of children with the same diagnosis. We have helped, um, as of today, we've helped about nine families. It's been a great uh, way for us to give back, to help um, others, to help the community, to say thank you. Yes, thinking about Gabriella and that she's no longer here obviously makes us very sad, but knowing that we are honoring her her life and her legacy and doing this in her honor um, is just brings a lot of joy. Hi, I'm Cecilio Torres Jr. I'm Isabel Torres. And we're the Torres family. The Torres family. They were connected in a life group. Their life group through that stormy time of their life brought meals over, helped with the kids, babysat sometimes during long doctor appointments and treatments. It was a storm of their life, but being connected strengthened them.
The body of Christ was the body of Christ to them. You see, their connection needs to be there before you're at one of those moments so you have the support and the strength from others. How do you get connected? Well, I'm going to invite you. There's two ways you can at Westover. One is our next step class. Twice a month, the second and the fourth weekends of every month, we have our next steps class. I'm going to invite you on that Sunday to get in our next steps class and you can discover a life group or a ministry group. And then once a month on the third weekend of the month, that third Sunday, we have life group training. And I think many of you, God's speaking to you about opening your heart in your home and you can become a life group leader. Your home and your heart could be that for somebody. In order to have a life group, you need to go to our life group training, but that will be something that will enrich your life. And I'm here to say we grow together. And for many of us, it's a time, and I think the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you, it's time to get connected. Would you stand as I close in prayer, please? Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your goodness today. And I ask you, God, that you would bless your people. You would, Lord, encourage them the importance of being connected, the importance of belonging, not just coming to church, not just going to a church, but belonging. And I believe many, Lord, you're speaking to they have gone through a season of awareness and now it's a time to make a decision and be an intentional and I ask you Lord that you'll allow us as a church to connect with them and grow them and see them strengthened in the things of God Lord you made them to belong to you and you called them to belong to a church and we want to be that for them and we extend our heart to them and I pray over your people that. I pray over those who a few months from now or a year from now, they're going to have challenging times. And being connected now will strengthen them through those challenging times to come. And I just ask you, Lord, to continue to allow Westover to enlarge its circle of love and heart to embrace and include others. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for being with us today. God bless you. You're dismissed.